Well, we've had a lot of talk about Christmas, but it still is only autumn. And I don't know about you, but I find autumn quite a funny time. I have a massive challenge about what to wear. Because, you know, the weather has been so funny, hasn't it? This morning, I was like, is it going to be pouring with rain? Do I need my boots? Is it going to be mild like it was? Because it has been beautifully sunny. Or is it going to be quite chilly? Like um, yesterday was quite cold, wasn't it? And then I was out on the streets with peeling on the streets and it started to rain. And so we had our hats and our gloves and all that kind of caboodle on. It's just hard to know what to wear. And... um, I don't know, maybe in your house, if you have certain people in your house of a certain age, you might have a shout that we sometimes hear, I've got nothing to wear. And it's led me to be thinking about clothes. Now, Nigel might think that I might say that I talk about clothes a bit too much anyway. But I've just been thinking about it recently. And one thing that's prompted me is I actually won a, a raffle prize before the summer, which I took advantage of a fortnight ago. And the prize was... Um, it was really fun. It was to have my personal style analysed. Now, some of you might go, yay! And some of you might go, what? And what happens is there's this lady, and this is her job, and you pack all your clothes into um, a suitcase. It's like you're moving house almost. And so I had all my clothes in this suitcase, and I had all my shoes and, and boots and everything else in a, in a bag. And I put them in the back of the car, went to this lady's house, and got out all my clothes. And we talked about the things that I like to wear... And then the things that I've got in my wardrobe that actually don't see the light of day very often. You know, I don't know whether you have ever bought anything that on the day when you bought it, you just thought that'd be amazing. And then afterwards you've gone, why is that a few nods around the place? Why on earth did I get that? Um, And this lady was fascinating to talk to because she says... Her kind of premise is the person that you are on the inside should be expressed by the things that you wear on the outside. Absolutely, says Mervyn. Fantastic. Great. I, I, I did wonder. <laughs> Claire's looking shocked. I did wonder, am I going to lose all the guys with this? But no, thank you, Mervyn. You're with me. So the person that you are on the inside, she says, should be reflected to the person you are on the outside. And, you know, I used to go shopping with a friend when we were, were younger. And it just got to be a bit of a standing joke because my friend is, um, she's taller than me. She's kind of slim and chic and elegant. And whenever we'd go into a shop, a department store, you'd see all the different clothes. And I would all always kind of scan and go over there because I would go for the colour and the sparkle and the kind of, you know, the frilly bits and that kind of stuff. And the joke just became, we go through the door, she said, come on, Joe, and she pulled me this way, which is kind of the chic and the elegant, sophisticated. And she said, come on, if you want to be chic and elegant, sophisticated, you need to come and dress in these things. And suppose I did have a go. I did try quite hard for quite a few years. But those of you who know me, that's just not me. I'm not really kind of chic and intelli- intelligent. <laughs> that either chic and sophisticated on the inside and so it doesn't kind of really work on the outside so well whereas I am just a bit more sparkly and colorful and fun and that's kind of who I am on the inside here here and so I chose this top particularly this morning actually frilly and sparkly and this is kind of this is what I feel like I'm like on the inside and on the outside um, and so I was just thinking about these things and I felt really like this lady I spoke to gave me real permission to wear sparkles again and just to be kind of who I, I felt like I was. You might say, Joe, what has this got to do with anything? Well, last weekend I wasn't here. I was away at a women's conference and God really got my attention because on a Saturday morning um, the speaker started talking about clothes and not the, the clothes that we wear but kind of the spiritual clothes that we wear And she just said, I want you to think about what you're dressed in. I just thought, what is she talking about? But she's talking about the thoughts and the attitudes and the actions that we all have and exhibit. The way that other people see us. 
And because this had happened so soon after me going and having my wardrobe analysed, I felt like God just spoke to me and said, Joe, I want you to think about who you are as a person and what you're wearing in a spiritual sense. And also about our church and how do people see us? What are we showing? What are we wearing on the outside? I thought, okay. And it's given me... What we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking, looking at the book of Colossians, because Paul there talks about our clothes. He talks about clothes that we're supposed to take off and other clothes that we're supposed to put on. And it relates to what Nigel was talking to you about last week. When I get, got back, I, was, um, I just listened to the, the kind of podcast on the website when I was doing the washing up, just to check he'd been behaving. Oh, I'm pulling my leg. Um, but those of you who were here last week will know that Nigel was talking about the story of the lost coin and the lost son. And these are stories that Jesus told about how God sees us. We are all treasure. That's how God looks at every one of us. He looks at you and you and you and you and you and me and says, they're my treasure. And when we're not in relationship with him, as Nigel reminded us last week, it's like we're lost treasure. And you know, I found these pictures about the lady who had, Nigel told the story about the lost coins. She would have worn a kind of headdress with coins in that was probably her dowry. And one day she realized that one of these precious coins was lost. I thought these pictures are quite fun. And so she hunts around everywhere for it until she finds it. And then she has this great party and invites all her friends. And that's how it is with God and us. That we are his lost treasure. That he searches for us. And when he finds this, he goes, welcome back. Come home. This is where you're supposed to be. And that's also echoed in the story of the lost or the prodigal son, which some people call the story of the forgiving father. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, you're welcome back. That's what God says to us. And when we are welcome back, in fact, no, just before I, I get onto that. And it might be that actually you're here today and you are feeling lost. It might be that you're just saying, well, I, d- I don't know where I belong. I'm not connected with God. I don't know that I'm in relationship with him. And in the Bible, there is just this beautiful thing that Jesus says. And a, a very famous picture you might have seen before that a guy called Helman, William Helman Hunt um, painted. And it's a, a picture of Jesus standing and knocking at the door of our hearts. And in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Perhaps you could put that picture up, Becca, please. And if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they will eat with me. And the thing about Jesus is, he is the king. He is powerful. He is mighty. He was there at the beginning of the world. And yet, he doesn't shoulder his way in through that door. He doesn't force his way in. And you'll see from the picture that there isn't actually a door handle on his side of the door. If this is a picture of the door of our hearts, actually, the handle is on the inside. And Jesus says, I'm standing in and I'm waiting and I would love to come in. But you need to be the one who invites me. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you are just waiting to connect with Jesus. And the invitation is for you. And he says, just open the door. And all that is really is saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. 
And I open the door of my heart to you now. Please come in. Come and help me start a relationship with you. And if that is you today, that is the start of the most wonderful journey. Many of us would testify to that. And we'd love to pray with you after the service. So do come and and have a chat with me afterwards and we can talk some more about that. So once those of us who have welcomed Jesus in, then what happens? Well, as I told you before, it's all about clothes. Fantastic. Don't you just love it? We welcome Jesus into our hearts and he says, I love you, you're mine, but actually... You're part of the family now and we need to see some changes. And there's a phrase that John Wimber used to say about church. He used to say, we want people to come as they are, but not to stay as they are. Because we're all on a journey of getting to know Jesus better and wanting to become more like him. And so as we become kind of part of church family and as we connect, things have to change. You know, when I first um, got to know Nigel, we were both students, and he used to have... A limited wardrobe. He was even less interested in clothes then than he is now. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's the right way to say it. He's slightly more interested in clothes now, but obviously not as interested as Mervyn. So we'll, we'll have a conversation after. <laughs> have a conversation after the service. But he used to wear this really big red jumper, and it was lovely. It was like Robin Redbreast red, and it was quite distinctive, and you could see it from a mile off. And it was nice and soft, and it was quite comfy and cuddly. And so if you wanted to hug him, it was really nice. But the thing about this jumper was it had a big hole in it. Now, when I say big hole, it had a massive hole. It was like that, a hole the size of your head literally right here on his chest and so you, you kind of be, you know go up and, or I said to him a number of times that's a really lovely jumper that's a really kind of cuddly jumper I love the colour but if you spotted it, it's got a big hole in it he's like well yeah but I just love this jumper I just really like this jumper what difference does it make I'm like well in our family clothes were kind of a bit more important than that and if you wanted to kind of go somewhere you might need to wear the right kind of clothes to be a bit smart and whatever and if you had a big hole in your jumper you would either fix it or you'd get another one you know um but Nigel would say but I'm me if people don't like, like me as, as I am well then this is just who I am it shouldn't make any difference what I wear on the outside and so we went home for Christmas one year and so you may well have heard Nigel's side of this story but um at our house my granddad often used to come for Christmas and he was very um, into smart clothes. And so regardless of whether we were going to church or whether we were going to be at home, he would always wear a shirt and tie and be really smart and have his trousers really pressed. And to, in a way to kind of respect and honour him, the rest of the men in my family would do the same. So my dad and my brother and my uncle would all be there in their shirt and ties, even if we were just sitting watching TV on Christmas Day type thing, you know? But that was just something that was important in our family. And so Nigel came home for Christmas one year and we'd had a conversation about the tie thing already which hadn't gone well and so <laughs> and so on Christmas day um, we kind of you know got ready and what have you and he was just getting dressed and I just kind of came into the room and I said here it is put it on don't say anything and left really quickly <laughs> and so bless him he did he put on his shirt and tie and was kind of accepted as part of the family or certainly by my granddad it's a way to honour my granddad and so he was showing that he wanted to kind of dress like the family and it did remind me about another family dress code um, which we've got a picture of those of you who've seen The Sound of Music do you remember all the, the children kind of dressed the same that shows that they're all in the same family 
Now, what I'm not saying is, of course, when you choose to follow Jesus, you have to wear a shirt and tie. Of course not. You don't have to dress in a certain way in a physical sense, but we are expected to dress in a certain way spiritually. Jesus expects that our attitudes and our actions and our thoughts would all become be more like him. And I read this really amazing phrase this week. A guy that I was reading said, wouldn't it be incredible if when people saw me coming, they thought Jesus was on his way because I looked so much like him. And I thought, wow, what a thing to aspire to. You know, when people know are interacting with us, whether that's at work, whether that's on the phone, whether that's in the school playground, at college, wherever we are, if our thoughts and our actions and the ways that we respond are so like Jesus that people go, wow, gosh, that looks a lot like Jesus. So let's jump into Colossians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible with you, then it'd be great to start there in a minute. Just, um, we'll just pause on that for a minute, actually, Becca, thank you. And so at the beginning of Colossians 3, there's a whole chapter on this, and we're just going to pick out some of the verses. But at the beginning, what Paul is saying is, if you're serious about living life with Jesus, then you need to act on it. Now I thought, gosh, that sounds a bit bit harsh and a bit sharp, but if you're a follower of Jesus, we need to act like it. And in verse 3 and 4, he goes on to say, your old life is dead, your new life, which is your real life, is with Christ in God. And in the message, it describes it and says, he gives us a new wardrobe of clothes to wear. Yay! Get rid of the old tatty ways, the old clothes. He's got new clothes for us. So let's go. If, I'm reading from the NIV, and the words will come up on the screen, and we're going to look at verse 5. Because Paul is quite clear about what it is we are to take off, the clothes that we're not to wear, and the clothes that we are to put on. So in some translations, it says put off. And in the NIV, it actually says put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. And Paul is literally saying, those are the old clothes. I want you to take them off. Now, I don't know about you, But it's sometimes quite easy with old clothes just to think, well, they've been comfortable. I I remember loads of times when I wore that that was really, you know, a great occasion or it was fun. And I just want, those those things are familiar. And and what if I might need them again sometime? And yet in here, in this passage, Paul is saying, there are some things that are wrong. There are things that are wrong in your life. And that is true for all of us. But I don't want you to pander to them I don't want you to hang on to them I want you to take them off and even more than that I actually want you to put put them to death 
I want you to take off these clothes and not just kind of toy with them or think, you know, I don't know about you, but if you go on a diet and you lose a little bit of weight, you put your old jeans in the back of the cupboard and you think, I'm actually just going to leave them there. I've got some new ones, but I'm just going to leave those ones there just in case after Christmas I might need them. He's saying, no, these old things have got to go. These old things have got to be burned up, have got to go, because that's not the way that followers of Jesus live. And I thought it was really interesting that he was just really kind of upfront about this stuff. Because as believers, I think sometimes it's very easy for us to, to kind of hang on to things or to go, well, you know, as I was reading this, I was thinking, oh dear, gosh, this is terrible. There's some awful things on this list. Oh, I wonder who's got those. But we all do, don't we? None of us is quite like Jesus yet. And we all have things that God wants to change in us to make us more like him. So what do we do about it? Do you know one of the really big things, which is hard to do, but really is the beginning, is to fess up about this stuff. If you've got an issue with pornography, if you can't control your temper, if you find you're swearing and you know you shouldn't and you feel quite ashamed about it, then the thing is not to hide it away and just be ashamed. Because... God's enemy would love that to tie you in knots and trip you up for good. The point is that as things come out into the open and out into the light, then God can deal with them with us. And none of us are perfect. Some of us are better at hiding our stuff than others. But we've all got stuff. And so a really good first step is just to be honest in front of God and maybe with someone you really trust and say, this is my issue. I'm really struggling with drinking too much. I shout at my kids, and I really know I shouldn't. I just can't control it. I'm not being honest at work. Whatever the thing is, bring it into the open. Because once it's there, God can do something with it. The Bible talks about us repenting. It talks about us saying what's wrong and saying sorry for what's wrong. And then the word repentance literally just means to turn around, to walk in the other direction. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. And you know, he gives us the power and the help to live differently. And he gives us that because his Holy Spirit lives in us and is with us. But also by giving us people alongside us might be somebody in your life group, someone in your family. We've just run the Power to Change course, and we're looking at that again for next year, where you can come alongside other people in a safe and confidential environment and work through this stuff. But this requires action for us. The longer that we hide it away, the longer we pretend it's not really there and it's not really a problem and it doesn't come out on a Sunday so it's okay, the harder it gets. So we just need to be able to be open and honest with the right people. One of the things that I found helpful was looking at this little sign called HALT. HALT is another word for stop, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but it's very easy to do the wrong things, to be tempted to go the wrong way. If I'm hungry if I'm just angry about something, when I feel lonely, or when I'm tired. And if you're in any of those kind of situations, then just halt, just stop. You know, before you go down the path of eating too much chocolate, or watching something inappropriate on TV or on the internet, just think, hey, what's going on here? 
And the wonderful thing, the truth is, that we have power in God to live differently. You know, I was reading a Christian novel. I don't read that many, but I read one um, a couple of months ago. And I was really blown away by it because the, the story was about this couple, who, a young couple, and they were dating together and they obviously very much in love with each other and they're going to get married. And they got to a place and the sun was setting and they were just, you know, it, it, the temptation was there to get physically involved and to go far too far to sleep with each other. And I was reading this book and I was just thinking, oh no, because I've read other novels before where that happens. And inside my heart goes, oh, because I know that's not right. Sex outside of marriage is never right, is it? That's what the Bible says. And in this book, I couldn't believe it because it just said, and the guy stood up and he stepped away and they went off and did something different. I didn't say it quite that abbreviated. But they told the story about how they made a choice to say no in the moment of temptation. And I just thought, this is really powerful. Because when we watch movies and when we read books and when we talk to friends, oftentimes it's just like temptation is inevitable. We have to go that way. But that's not the truth. When we read the Bible, if you think about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife, that's right. Yes, that's a lady. She's the one who was probably beautiful, beautifully dressed, and she fancied him. She wanted him to sleep with her. Who would have seen? Who would have known? How could he just kind of not give up to that temptation? But he did. He ran. And the Bible tells us that when temptation comes, we have power to resist and to run. And whatever running looks like for you, then think about that. Before you get into that situation, before you get to the place where it's just too far, then think about what you're going to do in the cold light of day. If you're really tempted by the internet at night time when you're in bed and it's all quiet and dark, then why don't you think about leaving your phone and your computer plugged in downstairs? Or why don't you find a way to t- kind of turn it off so that it's not accessible? If you are tempted to stop and buy chocolate from that shop on the way home, then think about it in advance and find a different way home. If you can't think of a solution, then why don't you ask somebody in your life group to give you a hand and think those things through? Because we have power to, to be different. We've got power to stand up against this and power to change. And if you're sitting here today and you're just feeling really guilty or dirty or shameful about what's going on, do you know God doesn't do that? What the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us so that we can change. He points things out to us, not to say you're guilty, you're dirty, you're shameful, but he points it out and says, this is just a sham of what I have for you. I've got real life for you. Come to me, let's sort this out and you can live life fully as I want you to. So that part of Colossians is about the stuff to take off. But then if we come turn the page, the next thing that we need to do is to put some things on. The Bible talks about clothing ourselves with a different kind of a different kind of wardrobe. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There are other clothes ready for us. It's like, you know, if you've got kids on the first day of school, you might put their uniform out on the bed for them to get into. You've got the pants and the socks and the shirt and the the skirt and the the top, everything they're going to wear. And God has an outfit for us to wear. This is what he expects us to put on. And, you know, we've used that word compassion many times. Compassion from the Greek, it's a word that um, talks about moving in your guts or your bowels. It's about a feeling of love for people 
that isn't just kind of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry about the situation you're in, but that really moves us to act and do something about it. And we've talked a lot about all the different compassion opportunities and initiatives are, there are this Christmas. Um, and I just wanted Jenny just to come and um, just highlight a couple of things, just as a, not as a thing to do, but a thing to celebrate for us as church family, as we have been clothing ourselves with compassion. There's some lovely things that have happened. So come on, Jenny. Thank you. <clears throat> right. Okay, that was sooner than I expected. Um, yeah, you may have noticed, some of you, as you walked into the church, um, a beautiful sparkly van, um, bright in colour. I think my inside, um, I'm a bright girl, <laughs> and I love colour, and you'll see something wonderful out there. Who's noticed the van parked out the front? Great, most of you. A lot of you haven't, so... <laughs> quite large um so when you go out have a look and that is the result of a wonderful generous donation that um you contributed to at the beginning of the year so that we could actually um uh work with our um food delivering food and things in the community so um it's you know, been a little while getting together, but we, since we've had it, we've been able to um, deliver fresh food um, to hostels in the community um, every other week. And uh, also, another wonderful thing is Tesco. We we make a collection every um, Tuesday evening, or Graham does. Graham heads up this um, the fresh food side and the van. And he collects on a Tuesday evening from Tesco um, food that's just come into you know, the end of their date. So on the day that it's a lot of bakery stuff, a lot of bread and cakes and different things, which all add to the food that gets delivered every other week from Fair Share, which is fresh food, cheese, yogurts, meat, fruit and veg. And all of these things get packed up and delivered in our van. And so we've now got the scope to spread to more um, people that, that need it, um, which is really wonderful. And um, not only that, getting into the community, they're not going to miss the van. We wanted something really bright that stood out so people would start to ask questions. And even the Winchester um, City Council have um, been interested and wanted to get involved to let the, um, their office staff um, choose to help um, with any compassion things that we have. So that's all gone out to, um, to them. So I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody that so generously contributed to the van. Um, it's just wonderful. And it, it's, um, there's been words saying that compassion is going to lead into the community and we really can do that with bells on. And I just want to say um, another thank you to two people. Um, to Michael Sumner, who actually, um, with his gifting, and he gave up his time to do the graphics for us on the van, which are really lovely. And the other is um, Keith Rogers, who has um, said he's going to maintain it for us during the year. So um, thank you to everyone. It's wonderful. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. 
So it has been really exciting to see that as we start to clothe ourselves with compassion, as that's the way that we act, other people want to join in. And so the council and, in fact, Tesco's and our local scouts have all said, we need an opportunity, we want to give people an opportunity to give. We've heard you're doing some great stuff. Would you mind if we advertised your toy fair and your Christmas hampers so that people can contribute to that? Would that be okay? I just think that would be amazing because there are so many compassionate people around and yet we have the opportunity to say, this is the way we're going. Come on, let's, let's walk into this together. Now, when Paul is talking in Colossians 3 about what we're supposed to dress ourselves in, I was quite taken aback because I read about this stuff, about clothing ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I realized he's talking to us as the church. He's not talking to us particularly about how we deal with people who aren't believers yet, but he's saying, this is what I expect of you as church. I expect you to be kind. In our family, we have a family motto, which is, in our family, we are kind and we share. And when one of our kids came along, we had to amend it and say, in our family, we're kind, we share, and we wear pants. Because one of them found it quite difficult to remember that sometimes. But wouldn't it be amazing if our family motto here at the vineyard is that we are kind, we're compassionate, we're humble with one another, we're gentle and patient. As we look at verse 13, it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And you know, bear with, there's a different translation which actually says, put up with one another. Paul is recognising that in a church family like this, we're not all the same. We don't all click. Dare I say it, we might not all get on. But actually, God's brought us together and we are family. And he expects us to overlook those things that we don't particularly like. He expects us to forgive one another. And he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I don't know how Jesus forgave you, but the way he forgave me was as soon as I asked, completely and forever. And that's how he expects us to deal with one another, to forgive each other. And this week I was talking to one of my kids that something had happened at school, and they'd been treated unfairly, and we talked about how that hurt and the feelings of that, and we prayed about that. And then I said, and do you know, there's something else, isn't there? And he said, yeah, I've got to forgive him. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you do. Because forgiveness isn't about how we feel. Forgiveness is a choice that we make. And yesterday I popped into um, church and it was the Freedom in Christ Steps Day. And those of you who've done the Freedom in Christ course will know that there's a, a day set aside to take time to really put some of those things that you've been learning well into practice. And I found it really humbling, actually, because around the the building were people who were very obviously doing business with God and were remembering painful things that had happened and were choosing to pray and forgive people and release them. Because the thing about forgiveness is that it works two ways. Actually, it releases us. When someone's done something against us and we hold a grudge, many times they don't even know about it. It might be that the person who's done that thing has even died or has moved somewhere else and doesn't see you and doesn't think about what they've done. But if I hold a grudge, it's something that ties me up and that cripples me. And in choosing to forgive, what we're doing is we are just saying, this isn't mine to hold on to. I'm going to trust Jesus to to deal with you because I choose to forgive you. And that frees us in our hearts. And actually, spiritually, I think it also frees them in a way that we don't 
know and understand. So that's what the Bible says we need to be doing. We need to be putting up with each other and forgiving each other really freely and openly. And then the last thing that this passage tells us to do clothes-wise, in verse 13, 14, it says, Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. In the message, it says, let love be your basic all-purpose garment. If we're out to love one another, then that's a really great place to begin and to end. So how do we put these clothes on? Practically, what do we do? Because we haven't got our physical things to wear. Well, it goes on to tell us in Colossians 3 that as we focus on Jesus as we sing songs of thanksgiving, as we read the Bible and chew on that, that's what changes us. That's a way of us getting dressed. You might find it helpful in the morning, next time when you get dressed tomorrow morning, to think about the things you're putting on. Sometimes, you know, as I think about um, these items, perhaps when you're putting your jumper on, you might want to pray, God, would you just clothe me in compassion today? Would you just help me to remember kindness and to speak kindly as I go about my business? And if during the day you find that you do say or do the wrong thing, then just be really encouraged that Jesus is so close and so quick to forgive that he's really ready to give you another start straight away. You know, a sign of maturity in your faith is not how many times you fall over and get it wrong. The sign is how quickly you get up afterwards. And so if you do make a mistake, if you do slip off, if you do do the wrong thing, don't just stay there on the floor, but jump up again and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, please help me get it right next time. Because that's what he longs to do. I was thinking about how we might kind of respond to what God says to us through Colossians. And in a minute, I'd like you to stand, but just before we do, I wonder if you might just think... God speaks to us really specifically. And it might be that he's highlighted something to you today, some of the kind of old clothes that he wants you to take off. And if he has, then he'd love to help you take those off and to start kind of doing business about that. It might be actually that he's highlighted something new that he wants you to put on, a new attitude or a new action. And if that's the case too, then he'd love to help you with that so why don't we stand together and Michael could you come up with a band please Dear Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. Thank you that you give us a new life and you just equip us to live it. Thank you that you don't condemn us, but you just want us to take off that old stuff and leave it behind because you've got new threads for us. We're really grateful for that.
we welcome you now to speak to us as individuals about what it is that you want us to do today. might be today that God is reminding you about somebody who you need to forgive. You might not feel like it, but there's a choice to be made. And so now, just in the quiet, why don't you, if that's you, take that opportunity. You can pray something like this. Oh, Jesus, you need-